Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to uh, the final episode of this year's Cromtober festivities. I'm Luke. I'm Josh. And I'm Jonathan. The Cromcast. We are wanting to bring a little bit of closure to our consideration of, of the witch as as a monster, as a trope. Uh, with with this episode, uh, we're doing this episode today uh, with with sunlight outside. There's a crisp little bit of uh, wind that's blowing around here in, in Kentucky. We are all three together in one place. John is visiting uh, the state, and so we are here in uh, sort of the library portion of my place, and we're just sort of hanging around and having some fun this afternoon it's a feels a little bit safer and a little bit uh more welcoming here than it did last night with a little bit of a fire and a crazy gusty wind that was making it a bit spooky it's it certainly is uh feel safer to discuss the witch in the light of day um but I think by the end of this episode maybe we'll come to some sort of uh closure and understanding about the witch and who she is maybe we'll become friends even who knows? She could become part of the Chromecast. <laughs> That's right. So we, <laughs> Luke's dog is snoring, which is funny. Um, we came together today without much of a plan, but we just thought we'd riff on witches and talk about that. But first, before we get to that, we have to deal with something, right, Luke? That's right. We need to uh, talk about... Uh, what we're what we're drinking, what we got in our cups, and also get into the one thing. So, what are we drinking right now, Josh? I've got a little bit of coffee left over from this morning. Yeah, so we uh, we've we've filled up our coffee cups, and after that, we have uh, a round of Oktoberfest beers to uh, you know fill our bellies and get us through the next little bit of recording. So, the Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest are going to be good for us. And cookies. Oh yeah, and cookies. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Cookies and candy and beer. So with uh, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and do the one thing. One thing. Cool. So, uh, John, do you have a one thing? do have a one thing i've been reading the hellboy comics recently i've got those library editions so i've gone through the first three volumes of that i stopped short of going into the crooked man because i remember the last time i tried to read the crooked man it was about midnight on a friday night and i think i scared myself silly with it a little because <laughs> it's a very frightening story and so i was waiting to read it until i got back from this trip maybe during the light of day in order to protect myself <laughs> what's your favorite hellboy story during this reread uh, I really enjoy what's the one where they meet Lobster Johnson. Oh, Roger and Hellboy drop into the old abandoned Nazi castle, and Roger the homunculus runs into Lobster Johnston's ghost. The worm, the worm, the conqueror worm. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, I really enjoy that one. I I think Lobster Johnson is an awesome character. Uh, I really have latched on to him reading Hellboy comic books, and so I'd pick that one. Yeah. How about you, Luke? Uh, I like a lot of the 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 shorter stories that are collected and so i was just thinking about it i do like uh the 
the the crooked man uh i do like i guess it's the wolves of saint augustine is that what it's called uh and i don't know there's maybe i don't i'm not even for sure is that one in the chain coffin and others i believe so uh but i feel like maybe that collection has some of my favorite shorter shorter joints but uh yeah those those lamb like, bam stories that they did yeah. for a while there. I like those a lot. The pancakes one oh, yeah. where he first discovers pancakes <laughs> is good. Uh, the wolves of St. Augustine. He fights a dragon at one point too, right? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That the, one's yeah good. That's mm-hmm. a good one. I like that. Yeah. I like the little ending notes of that too. Like yeah. kind of that. And that's why you see the white flowers right. and the, yeah. I like the, the sea witch one. Yes. And I, I don't remember if it's called the sea witch, but she's the bog roosh, the bog roosh. And she captures him in, in chains that are fashioned from, uh, someone who hates him, like the bones of someone who hates <laughs> yeah. Hellboy, and uh, it it just is so. It puts weird. a nail in his head. It puts a nail in one of his horns, and and that lets him breathe underwater. And she's gonna cut him up and send him to all of the witches, yeah, in the world. And she so, has him there for two years. Yeah, multiple years. Yeah. He's been off the grid. Yeah. yeah. And what's the uh, the box? Box full of evil. Box full of evil. I, that that may be my other favorite one there too. I like With- I like the. The, the satanic pact and the devil or the the fly right yeah and uh, Bromhead yeah the the warlock yeah is Rasputin a witch and all of that that's to well, bring it all back to we, we <laughs> hold that question okay. and then when we when we get finished with one thing we'll circle back around all right all right that's my one thing I offer the next chance to talk about a thing to Luke oh this guy. So I have kind of a witchy one thing. Uh, at least it seems like that's the way it's going. So uh, the longer spooky novel that I'm reading right now, this month in October, is called All Heads Turn When the Hunt Goes By, and it's by John Ferris. Uh, and it's one of those 80s horror novels that, you know, second tier behind like Stephen King uh, and coons that kind of that kind of bit but he uh john ferris put out a variety of different stories that were i think famous uh at that point in time this is one that was highly recommended on uh the blog too much horror fiction and that fellow that runs that blog has a whole list of like some of his favorite uh anthologies and just miscellaneous collections and novels that he's read from just the the pulpy 70s 80s 90s horror uh field and so this is one that came up it's i was able to get the book for for fairly cheap on on a books whenever i saw one that was priced below five bucks i hit buy it now and Got it. And so I've been reading that so far. It is a little bit of uh, Old South kind of uh, Confederate plantation setting. Old South plantation home with a military family and and a brother like on his wedding day murders his wife and his father. And seems like there's some level of possession and there's a mix of like H. Ryder Haggard and she and uh, witches and ancestral uh, folklore is sort of playing into the story. But so far, and I'm only about a third of the way into it, I really do like it. It's it's good. That's awesome. Yeah, I've never read anything by that author before. Have you, John? No, I've never even heard of that. Is this your first by him? It is, yeah. He also wrote, uh, I think it's called The Fury, and then he has another one uh, that is also well regarded but he has a whole a whole laundry list of different novels that he did put out you know throughout the sort of the high water mark of a lot of the 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 paperback uh horror 
you know, field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. What about you, dude? Uh, I'm, I'm changing mine at the last minute. And I'm going to use this book, The Occult, A History by Colin Wilson, which I think I've mentioned before on the show and maybe even has been a one thing. But um, there's a chapter in this book called Witchcraft and Lycanthropy. And uh, I just wanted to read a little bit of it to give you some flavor and then it might lead us into the next bit of the show. So he says, why do we always think of witches as women? The word applies to both men and women, but the idea of a man with magic powers conjures up a picture of a wizard or warlock, someone like Merlin or Tolkien's Gandalf. The word witch arouses visions of women on broomsticks, stirring cauldrons with toads and henbane, or offering obscene homage to the devil. Why this association of ideas? And the sort of the chapter goes on to sort of present a, a rambling discourse on uh, the history of witches, why witches are viewed as uh, in league with the devil and, and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, it's just an interesting read. You know, the chapters go- cover things such as uh, devil worship, mm-hmm. um, numerology, uh, Kabbalah. Like it's, it's a wide ranging sort of collection of, of, um, uh, somewhat meandering essays, um, but very interesting content, very well put together. Yeah, I was flipping through it. It looks like it came out in maybe seventy one, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit it's a little bit older, but it does seem like it's the kind of book that you can read an essay here or an essay there and just sort of crack it open, almost like a short story collection, and get a little bit out of it. I like it. Yeah, you could you could uh, save it and read a, an essay or two around Halloween, which is yeah. what I like to do. Yeah. And I think that question of why do we think of witches as women and men with magic powers are viewed as sorcerers or warlocks kind of circles back around to John's point he made earlier. Is Rasputin from Hellboy a wizard or warlock or is he a witch? And if he were female, you know, he, he has an association with Baba Yaga in the story. Would he be viewed differently? Like how how different would the story be if there was no Rasputin and it was the Baba Yaga the whole time? It's sort of an, an interesting thought experiment, I think. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I can't answer, <clears throat> answer directly your, your line of thought there, but I'm just turning over in my head the idea that a witch is inherently feminine and empowered. Like that's kind of the, the personification of of a of a witch like you can envision a a female or a male vampire and you can have an incubus or a succubus like we've we've talked about that maybe a little bit with the last episode you can you can have like a a vampire that's either male or female but it seems like a witch in terms of that archetype is intrinsically feminine do you think i'm off base there with that no i don't think so and i I think that um to to build on that if you think about vampires like they're if you dig into the folklore there are a ton of different kinds of vampires right right. a a ton of different uh you know traditions folk traditions that that have to do with vampires right from the european and 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 american um, you know, even into the, the 19th century yeah. traditions to uh, more uh, Asian cultures, sort of their their views on what is vampiric and what is undead. Right. Uh, but if you look at, like, uh, say today, if you go into a Halloween store, 
and you look for a vampire costume, it's going to be based on one certain type of vampire, right? Right. It's, it's going to be Dracula, like Bela Lugosi, <clears throat> yeah. Dracula. Um, and if you look for a werewolf costume, it's going to be kind of uh, like the the Wolfman or the Howling, like right. Um, and if you go look at witch costumes, it's pointy hats and and warty noses and uh, green faces, right. But interestingly, there's, uh, to my knowledge, no real one, like, definitive text. Like, this is the horror novel that is the the witch novel. Like, yeah. That, like there is for Dracula and vampires. And so there's there's wise men and women, and there's, like, medicine, medicine men and women across all different types of cultures. But... I don't necessarily think the medicine man and the witch are the same uh, archetype. It seems to me like they're different because a medicine man or a medicine woman within, you know, some sort of tribal society, they're uh, they're part of the in group. They are part of the society, and the witch is intrinsically the other and part of the out group and a cat, like a cast off of society. That's a great point, man. Um, and I, I wonder if that doesn't have to do with, um, you know, competing folk traditions, like, uh, uh, a a person who believes and practices uh, a more, you know, folk magic or hedge magic kind of, um, belief system living uh either within or on the outskirts on the fringes of uh, a village that's dominated by people who believe in a a more uh uh sort of church centered yeah right and and so that becomes othered and demonized and and legends are born from that type of of othering yeah and you you only at least like within classic sort of folktale structure only turn to the other when all of the all of your normal lines of recourse sort of strike out like you're you're looking to fall in love or you're looking to get back at somebody and you can't do that within your normal societal circle and so you go strike up a deal with the the crazy old lady that lives down the road that lives in the cottage and bruiser potions and can make things happen for you it's kind of like it's uh i guess it's a it's a step towards making a deal with the devil like that's the it seems like that's how the moral of those stories kind of play out that you you strike up a deal for that love potion with the witch but unbeknownst to you that love potion is going to be your ruin or is the ruin of the of the the significant other that you're trying to to bewitch or it brings you what you want but not in the way that you thought. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I mean, and it's... I, again, I mean, I think you could probably draw the line between these... I don't know. Maybe medicine man or medicine woman isn't necessarily the best word, but that's just what's popping into my head right now. Yeah. Like, there's a connection between, like, matriarchal medicine, medicine women within a tribe and a witch, but I think it really does come into like the level of reverence or uh, like uh, let's see reverence versus like demonization of of that of that character. Yeah. Um, 
whether the society is uh, uh, patriarchal or whether it's more egalitarian or even matriarchal. Yeah. Yeah. So, Luke, search your brain, search your memory, search your feelings. Why is it that when we did our first Cromtober, the witch stood out as the figure of, of uh, antagonism? Why, why was she the antagonist? Well, I can't remember where we were with the 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 Howard stories we were reading at that point. Were we into Solomon Kane or were we actually still doing uh, the Conan stories? Well, I think we were still doing the Conan stories, but we were on the cusp of Solomon Kane. So, I mean, the the witch in a variety of forms is an antagonist in those uh stories so maybe that was part of it i mean i think also the the incident that we mentioned uh in one of our previous chromtober recordings for this for this year the uh the the curse that was laid upon us by (laughs) by the witch during our little ghost hunting workshop that we attended with the lexington public library i think maybe that was fresh on our mind uh and we just identify with witches right like that is a, a classic uh bad guy kind of horror antagonist that is like has machinations, right? Like we didn't want to set up in our, in our quick little head cannon, uh, a bad guy that we were like Biff pal fighting with. It was, uh, the prolonged nemesis, like somebody that would be there, uh, throwing hurdles at you over a longer period of time. And someone who is constantly going to be more powerful than us, going to outwit us right. at every turn and against whom we have very little hope of, of ever actually completely defeating. Right. Brains, not brawn. And that, like to tie it to the, to sort of the, the Hellboy comics that we were talking about earlier like there is that distinction between like rasputin and and hellboy hellboy is very much brawn right like he's yeah, yeah. he's he's a he's a smart dude but he oftentimes just says oh crap i want to punch it and <laughs> and rasputin is is consistently thinking and laying these plans and acting on them you know alongside the nazis and all the all of the bad occult elements his contingencies have contingencies yeah 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 he's he's playing chess <laughs> and and to take a, a more broad view, the Baba Yaga really is pulling all of the strings when it right. comes to Rasputin. Yeah, absolutely. She and uh, the the witch goddess are are very much the behind the curtains manipulators. Yeah, and so uh, we wanted to spend a little bit of time kind of exploring witch stories, kind of rationalizing the the witch as a villain in our canon and uh maybe coming to some understanding with the witch and and perhaps uh perhaps in the future we can manage to uh extricate ourselves from her machinations yeah hopefully so what uh well i know i know our uh (laughs) we we attempted some recordings uh previously a night previous to 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 this current recording session and we kind of went a little bit off the rails we were we were having fun we were we were drinking some 
some bourbon. We were uh, listening to a record or two. We were just basically kicking back. But yeah. we do have a little bit of material here that we want to we want to play for folks. That's right. Yeah, uh, we spent some time with one of our favorite uh, fellow creatures of the night, Justin Stewart. J3K, who's joined us on uh, Chromecast recordings in the past. Yeah. And uh, as many of you longtime listeners might know, uh, Justin is an awesome artist, very creative person, and he's been involved with a couple of uh, horrific sounding uh, comic book projects um, that are going to hit shelves very soon if they haven't already by yep. the time this comes out. So we'll transition over into that interview and we'll see you on the flip side of that. There's a restaurant in Lexington, Kentucky, right next to, uh, it's, it's on Broadway. It's called Bad Wolf Burgers. And they make a hamburger where the bun consists of two Spalding donuts. And Spalding's is a company also in Lexington that makes delicious, delicious donuts. Truth. So that mixes the sweet with the savory. Sweet and salty. Yep. Marries them. Identify yourself. Hi, I'm Justin Stewart. The last time I was on the show was two years ago. That's that's a shame. What is we've we've God we dropped the bottom. I think before that it was two years. It was two years that. prior to that. Yeah, yeah. What is the deal? Is it like when the planets align? I guess we're I guess. just jerks. Well, I mean, you live just down the road. I know. I know. I can be here at any time. Oh, we need to leverage that more. I am seven minutes away. That is. We. Need to do better. It's fine. But we're glad you're back. Thank you. And we're super proud that uh, you have been so successful in your comic book art endeavors. Thank you. You're working on a project now? Yes. um, uh, The project I'm working on right now is called Reborn in Blood. And it would be interesting to the listeners because it is a fantasy barbarian story. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Everyone's ears just perked up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they rewound it. They like, wait, did he say barbarian story? Yeah. Well, it's it it merges uh, genres. So there's barbarian. It's barbarian, western, and demonology. I guess. Nice. Yeah. So that sounds awesome. And your previous project that uh, you kickstarted, correct, um, is called Bleed Leaders. Yes. So uh, October twenty seventh, Bleed Leaders is available. Everywhere, comic um, book stores nationwide. Comic books, well, comic book stores in Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. However, you can hit me up online and just order it from me. Okay. And that and is easy peasy. We'll have a link in the show notes. Absolutely. So yeah, so that's a book I kickstarted. Uh, it's 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 essentially Dog the Bounty Hunter, except he hunts vampires, and then something happens to where his show gets turned into a reality show. Where there are multiple contestants that are vying for his heart, the well, his heart and his title oh. as as vampire hunter. So, so it's fun. It's fun. It, again, it's a book that is not super deep, and uh, and you can see all the foreshadowing coming a mile away. But it, it was fun. It's fun. So if you like if you like weird, funny uh, vampire stories, then it's it's the thing for you. That sounds awesome. Yeah. The last time I was on here, I was promoting a book about monsters. That's right. So this is vampires now. Kentucky Kaiju. Right. Yeah. Right. Cool. Um, I still own sounds. 
Good. That was one of your first comics. That is right? that that was the first comic I put out. Oh wow. Well, I take the that back. First, really? I, well, I take that back. I I I published in air quotes um, some really crappy versions of some web comics that I did back in the day um, that are not very good. That were very derivative of other things. Um, but the first like real deal comic that I wrote and drew and intended to be an actual comic book was Sounds. Yeah. yeah. It still so, gives me the sads. It's it's a sad story. Yeah. It's a sad story. It is sad. I talked to my therapist about it a lot. Yeah, about that particular comic. Sure, yeah. sure. Absolutely. I can see it. Mm-hmm. The other voice you're hearing, the other dulcet tones, belong to Chromecast John. Hello, Hi, John. everybody. You've Welcome. been sitting across the room. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween. So what is the topic? So every year when we do the Chromecast, the Chromtober, we try to work in something from where we're from. We try to include some personal stories or folklore from our own locations, where we were originally from or where we yeah. work. And I think that that'd be a lot of fun to do again this year with witches because they're all over the country. America has a proud, weird witch tradition. And so if we've got some stories to swap, I think that could be a good time. How about you guys? Yeah, I think that would be good. Josh, I know you have a couple different uh, Kentucky-specific witch stories. Uh, maybe it would be good to talk about those. Uh, and, I mean, I, can, I, I don't have any explicit like case studies from, from where I grew up in Arkansas, but I can talk about witches and folklore in Arkansas more generally. But maybe we can start with a case study, and we can just sort of go around Robin there. Very academic of us. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll do, I'll open with one of them. And then if it comes back around to me, I'll do my second one. Uh, the first Kentucky witch that I'll uh, discuss that I found online um, on the shadowlands.net. Nice. I love the shadowlands. Yeah. So there's a, a Kentucky, a list of Kentucky uh, hauntings and, and uh, creepy folklore there. And this particular instance is, uh, took place in Marion, Kentucky, which is in Crittenden County. So we'll we'll include a map that shows roughly <laughs> where that is. And this is the the legend of the witch's grave. So there's a cemetery located off a road called Ford's Ferry in uh, Marion, Kentucky. And in this cemetery, there is a grave that is unlike any other grave in the cemetery. In that, it is the the grave of a child. But there is a wrought iron or cast iron fence around this grave that's sort of made of crosses. It's sort of linked together with crosses in such a way that you would imagine that whoever built this thing built it in order to keep something imprisoned. And the something that is imprisoned there is a five-year-old girl who allegedly was burned at the stake along with her mother in the late 1800s to early 1900s for witchcraft. It's not known what happened to the mother's body, but uh, we do obviously know that the little girl was buried uh, in the cemetery and her name is Mary Evelyn. So uh, the, the other strange thing about this grave is that it, in addition to having the steel or, or iron wrapped sort of fence around it, yeah. um, there is uh, there's no grass. There's no sod on top of it. It's, it's just rock and stone. Um, and so... The idea here is that her ghost inhabits this small patch of our earthly plane, but is kept inside the fence. Now, to to add to the creepiness factor, people who visit this grave 
allege that uh, on certain nights the uh, the fence glows. On certain nights, you can see the little girl behind the fence begging for passersby to just let her out, just pick her up, get her out of there, please. Uh, she's scared. Um, but when they refuse, uh, allegedly she just says horrible things to them. Keep in mind, this is a five-year-old girl. Um, now another spirit in conjunction with this is a spirit that people call the watcher. And the idea is that this person must've been one of those witch hunters that put these witches to the flame. And, uh, this spirit is restless because it wants to completely remove this witch's spirit from the, the plane, the, the material plane. Uh, but unfortunately the same powers that keep the little girl, uh, the, her spirit inside this grave, keep this watcher from going in and doing anything to her. Think of Solomon Cain, right. <laughs> I guess yeah. eternally yeah. vigilant around this, uh, this witch's grave. Um, and so we'll we'll include a uh, a photo of this grave. It really is striking yeah. and and certainly captures the imagination. Now, is any of this true? No, there this this little girl is not burned to death. Um, and it's it is an ornate kind of grave, but you would expect there to be crosses associated with graves. So, uh, is this grave imprisoning the spirit of a, a restless five year old ma- magic practitioner? No, of course not. Um, but it, it is a, a story that somewhat captures the imagination. Who wants to go next, John or Luke? Yeah, well, actually, mine can kind of one of mine can actually kind of spin off of what you were just talking about because it involves a similar sort of witches and cemetery sort of vibe. It's around from where my wife is from. She's from a corner of Indiana where there's like Muncie and Anderson, and there's a small town called Daleville, Indiana, and they have an area that they call the Witches Circle. And it's also in a cemetery where there's, I think like a, it's supposed to be a spot on the ground where nothing grows, like you kind of described. And there are people who say that there have been incantations done there and that they're kind of demons that are loose and can play havoc with you if you go to visit. And as you, as you see with a lot of cemetery type folklore, you're supposed to count something in and out of the cemetery. And if the numbers mismatch, then something bad is going to happen to you. So there, it's a small cemetery plot. I think there's only 12 headstones. But some people, when they walk in, they see 12. And when they walk out, they count 13. Oh, and then cool. something something is supposed to happen at that point. Okay. Um, so there's several different little bits on, on the internet about the witch's circle and how to get there. There are people who talk about doing Ouija boards there and having odd things happen and there's also a woman that is said to have been murdered there and she is supposed to kind of weave in and out of the headstones. So you're supposed to see this white ghost woman kind of floating in and out of there and there's blood on the road. Maybe as you drive in, uh-huh. uh, it's got lots of little spooky things attached to it. And supposedly the reason that it's still spooky today is that witches may still practice there. It's supposed to have been picked because it was a spooky spot to be a cemetery. And then it's still spooky because witches inhabit it, which I think has some credence because near Daleville, there's a large area called Camp Chesterfield. It's actually a spiritualist camp. It's where a lot of psychics and mediums and people that practiced and dabbled in spiritualism in the early 20s set up. It's on the National Historic Register. And when we went 
back to my wife's family's place for Christmas. I actually drove in and drove around it. I was looking for Pokemon stops, but <laughs> uh, it is full of people who are practicing witches, psychics, mediums, spiritualists. They've all got little signs with their different symbols on them. And you pay $5, you can go in and get your reading. But I, th- I think that the the link is that those folks may come over to Witch's Circle and do some stuff that you're not supposed to do, just like witches do. Cool. So, I mean, with what you bring up there, John, I guess that's kind of how I was thinking about uh, witches in my home state. Uh, so, in Arkansas, there's really two... Uh, sets of mountains there's the ozark mountains in the northern part of the state and the washita mountains which are on the south side of the arkansas river which kind of which kind of cuts through the middle of the state uh and so uh a lot of arkansas is of course pine trees and cotton fields and, and rice paddies but a large swath of the state is also uh pretty pretty rugged and and mountainous in, in the hills and that's that's kind of where i'm from and so I, while I don't necessarily have any stories that directly relate to witches, I grew up knowing about like the rainbow people as they were called, like called like basically like the hippie commune that was out like on the periphery of the national forest. And it was, they were, they were talked about in the same way that you would talk about like a spiritualist camp. You know, it was, it was like, I don't even know if they were pagan, uh, but definitely, like hippie culture meets uh, power crystals and, and, and new age type stuff. And so my appreciation uh, and just sort of the, the feel that I attribute to like witches in, in my home state oftentimes kind of overlays with, uh, with that as well as just the, the weirdness attributed to uh, – like there's one specific town in the north part of the state of Arkansas called Eureka Springs, and Eureka Springs is definitely like the uh, the freak flag capital of the the state of Arkansas. It's pretty. It's a friendly, uh, hippie vibe kind of place. It's a it's a great place to go to, to just get away. There's lots of different boutique art, uh, art exhibits, and cool like folk art places that you could purchase stuff for so in a lot of ways it's kind of it's kind of berea kentucky like but it's but it's a little bit more uh hippie and weird i would say than berea from from what i've seen there uh but but regardless whenever i think about eureka springs i think about uh you know like a witch shop on the corner and a variety of new spiritualist kind of stuff there and that is definitely you know the folklore that kind of gets tied up within within mountain cultures, that kind of thing. So uh, that's what that's what I tend to think of in terms of like my home state. I've always been really fascinated by the people that populate a state and then what they kind of bring with them. And where I'm from, it's very Germanic. So I'm always kind of surprised that there's not a lot more Hexen culture, which culture that people talk about. Kentucky is sort of a, a Scotch-Irish place, though, right? Uh, definitely in the eastern part of the state, we're, we're uh, uh, largely populated by people who would trace their ancestry back to the Scotch-Irish uh, immigrants. 
But in the northern part of the state, closer to Cincinnati, you've got uh, a more Germanic feel, right? Um, and then in the the bluegrass, you know, it's um, it's kind of a mix, I think. Um, and, and I'm counting Louisville and, and Lexington both. Um, Louisville and Lexington are older cities um, for the state, uh, especially Louisville, because it's on the river, was established fairly early on. Uh, uh, when the rest of the state was still largely kind of a, kind of a wilderness. Um, but yeah, definitely less of a Germanic vibe in Eastern Kentucky, more of a, you know, uh, uh, not, that's not to say pagan, uh, or, or Celtic sort of feel, but like, it's definitely Protestant, but there's also this twinge of like, you know, you put a horseshoe above your door and that's that's for good luck. Uh, there's still folks that carry lucky rabbit f- feet. Right. Um, you you do certain things or say certain things, uh, you know, uh, and maybe this is really widespread, but uh, someone sneezes and you say, bless you, mm-hmm. which is a, a magical sort of cantrip. Right. right? right. Like it's it's to prevent people from losing their souls and letting their souls escape when they sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and there are just little things like that that people do back home in eastern Kentucky that, that are sort of, I think, a, a folk magic tradition. Um, I've mentioned on the show before, my grandma uh, used to be sort of uh, known uh, for her knowledge of local plants right. and, and their medicinal properties, and she could help people find water. Right. When they're digging a well, she she could use a dousing rod for for that. Uh, And to this day, there are folks that believe in these things. Uh, So, yeah, that tradition is um, it's it's interesting to me because there are everyday things that people do that definitely are of a magical bent. But they go to church on Sunday and, and uh, you know, for the, the most part, like live their lives by a certain, you know, uh, Judeo-Christian set of, of beliefs. But their holidays are based around <laughs> the pagan ones, nonetheless. Well, sure. well uh, yeah. planting by the, the signs, right? Like uh, using the farmer's almanac to help decide when to put things out and when it's time to, to, to harvest and when the first frost is going to come. Like there, there are connections to the earth that are deep and ancient, um, you know, older than many of the traditions that, that we hold today that are still alive in places in the U S and, and I think that's a really cool kind of mixing of, of various types of backgrounds and beliefs. When I, it was funny you mentioned the, the water dousing cause I looked into an Indiana folklore book and that was I couldn't find a lot about people that thought there were real witches, that they weren't stories that occur elsewhere, but there was a big chapter in it about water witches and how people used to use these dousing rods. And apparently it was a big deal in Indiana up until about the depression. And then it kind of kicked up again because people were, were looking for water while they didn't have a house. And then it died out after the war ended. So I think that's kind of neat. Even into like I'm talking about in the fifties and sixties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason I kind of brought that up is because I think that it's interesting in where I'm from, at least it was hard for me to find a lot of stuff that was 
oh, I thought this was pers- this person was magical and they hexed me or anything like that. And there was some solid folkloric evidence for it. But there was a lot of, uh, we thought this lady was a witch and so we did bad things to her. Uh, it seemed like something Indiana did quite a bit. Even up until about 1938, I read a story about a couple who their name, their last name was Ray. Irene and Charles Ray were driven from the town of Rochester, Indiana, due to allegations that Irene was a practitioner of witchcraft and had hexed several town folk. So on May 11th, they were taken out of town, and she was alleged to have caused hexes that increased personal property damage. Uh, They caused serious illness and even killed somebody in town. They had moved to Rochester six years prior, and it was thought that they were chased out of another town. And it wasn't because of witchcraft. It's because she may have identified as an American Indian and was friends with an African-American that people saw her with. And so there's a lot of thought that it was actually all racially motivated, which follows for Indiana. That's a big thing where I'm from, unfortunately. And so they accused this lady of witchcraft and they literally just drove her and her family out of their depression era house on the edge of town that they had kind of hobbled or cobbled together with nothing. So it it's all in these newspapers. There's a whole website um, from history.indiana.gov. And it talks about everything that they did to try and get her out. And there are headlines from different newspapers around town. And then after they got her out of town, she was hit by a car and killed. And then all of the newspaper coverage of that was a witch had been fatally hurt by an automobile. Oh my God. So it, it seems like kind of maybe what we talked about before on the show about how it's an othering the witch and all that kind of that, that folklore. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a fair amount of, of local folklore and local witch material for our, for our home States. I'm looking outside here. I'm seeing that the, the shadows are starting to get a little bit longer. It's it's later in the afternoon. I want to make sure that the folks can hop on their their ponies and get in their wagons and and get home safely. It's it's time for everybody to be getting towards the house and getting their sup on. Uh, we need to we need to be safe. We need to watch out. It's a little bit scary. Yes, things come with the night that no sane man would welcome. <laughs> and uh, where can the good people find us, Josh? You can find us on the web at thecromcast.blogspot.com. You can email us thecromcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at thecromcast or find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash thecromcast. And you can call us and leave us a voicemail. Tell us your witchy story. That's 859-429-CROM. And... We are moving into the darkness now. We have no idea what's ahead of us, right, John? The road is still unclear about where the Chromecast is heading next, but you can always count on the three of us to come back and save you from whatever it is that haunts you. Dig it. Many sights to see And when I look in my window So many different people to be That it's strange So strange You got to pick up every stitch You got to pick up every
own soul, I look over.